0: Welcome to PR After Hours, your weekly cocktail of news and interviews with leading thinkers in PR, marketing, and business. So pull up a chair in our virtual lounge. Your host, Alex Greenwood, will be right back after this. Why do people listen to PR After Hours? Don't take my word for it. Listen to Joel Freud, CEO of FluX Media i'm going on a lot of podcasts and your podcasts the conversation with you is just so authentic and so real that i i actually enjoy it i don't even feel like it's a podcast follow us now wherever you get your podcast or visit prafterhours.com and get on our subscription list so you never miss an episode I am pretty excited about today's guest because he touches on something that it's at the very core of what I've done for a living 95% of my life and the things I'm continuing to be interested in. And I happen to think it's the the primary building block for success on so many levels. And so I'm very excited to welcome uh, Cesar Castro, a distinguished psychologist with an impressive dual mastery in organizational psychology and professional communications. Cesar is not just an academic mind, he's also an adjunct professor of public speaking at Weber State University in Utah, and he's molding the next generation of communicators with his wealth of knowledge and experience. Beyond academia, he is a serial entrepreneur, having founded not one, not two, but three companies dedicated to enhancing leadership and entrepreneurial communication and storytelling skills. His expertise has been sought after by global giants like PepsiCo, MetLife, Walmart, Kia, and MasterCard, proving his methods resonate across industries. Cesar is driven by passion, by a passion for elevating communication, firmly believing that the cornerstone of all great achievements. I just said this. I didn't even. This is great. In life is exceptional communication. Today, we're diving deep into the realms of storytelling, public speaking, and leadership through the lens of communication. Cesar Castro, welcome to the Virtual Lounge.
1: Thank you, Alex. Yeah, we're resonating. Uh, We have the same message. We have the same conviction, the same passion. So it's awesome because we get to have a, a conversation.
0: Yeah, thank you, and I'm so glad you're here. And I was so excited when we, we connected off you know offline. Obviously, you were saying, "Hey, I can come on." I was just like, did, "Did you did you go the wrong way? Did you go the wrong direction? <laughs> did you surely?" You because you have a massive podcast; it's incredibly huge throughout the world. Yes. Um, you 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 podcast both in English and Spanish. You uh, you teach you teach students. You do all this stuff. So you're one of those people who obviously doesn't sleep. <laughs> at all uh but but would you say that i'm curious before we really start rolling the storytelling I'm just curious about you um you you look very fit and very wide awake for a guy who's probably really really busy
1: <laughs> and and i got four kids that that is also oh! to add more uh, add more elements now but but you know what uh i have a great wife who supports me who's who's been with me from the very beginning mm-hmm. And uh, my kids also know what I do, even though if you were to ask him, like, what does daddy do? They just say, ah, he just helps people become better storytellers. He just helps people tell stories, which in simple terms is is what I do. Uh, I work with with business leaders and entrepreneurs, helping them become really great storytellers because I believe that the best communicators, the best public speakers, are usually the best storytellers.
0: 100%. And my daughter, you ask her that question. She says, dad talks a lot. Okay. All right. Okay, look, let's get into it. You regard public speaking as a critical business skill, as do I. So for individuals who might be starting or struggling with public speaking, probably a lot of your students are running into this. What foundational steps would you recommend to build confidence and competence in that area?
1: Yeah, public speaking, when it comes to that, I, I always tell them like, there's no way that you're not going to be scared of doing that. Like we're hardwired as human beings to to, to be kind of scared when we get these opportunities or chances to be in front of others. You know, you're being judged. We want to be accepted. and, And that's part of our DNA as human beings. We want to belong. We want to be part of something. So the first actually thing that I teach them is don't, don't try not to be scared of it because the more you are like, Oh, I can't, I can't be scared of this. Probably the more anxiety and the more fear you'll have. So first just understand that it's natural to, to feel something when you're gonna public speak. And then second, once you've understood that, now the key is practice and and, and and become uncomfortable or become comfortable with the uncomfortable, right? Become Become comfortable with the uncomfortable. And the only way you can become comfortable with the uncomfortable is just doing it over and over and over again. At first in more protected scenarios, maybe with your friends, with family, with small groups, but sooner or later you're going to have to start getting yourself out there and 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 now we can do it virtually or we can do it person to person but the more you do it the more comfortable you'll get with the uncomfortable yeah
0: and i i can hear people listening now going i don't see how speaking in front of people whether it be a small group or you know on stage for hundreds of people or more how does that really going to affect my day to like day to day job or or how's that really going to help me get ahead is what do you tell people who say that
1: Everything we do in our day-to-day in a way connects with communication, with speaking. There's actually a, a study, a very interesting study that Harvard Business Review did, I think it was like 2015, 16. It was, it was one of the biggest massive communication studies that they were doing. On they were trying to answer two questions. First is how much communication do we really do in our day-to-day? Yeah. So they were they were interviewing leaders and, and managers and supervisors and directors to really see how much communication happens in their day-to-day. And one of the interesting things they, things they found is that the higher you move up in, right. the, in, the, in, the, in the ladder, right? The more communication you're doing during the day. It got to the point where there were certain positions, uh, s- supervised manager positions where 80 to 90% of their day was communication. Yeah. Now, when we talk about communication, there's obviously public communication, which is public speaking. Some do it more than others. But there's interpersonal communication. There's that communication one, one-on-one. one There's a small group communication when you're leading a team. There's virtual communication when you're writing an email. All that is communication. And sometimes we don't think about it. And, and I always tell my students, if there's one person on the other side, you're public speaking, <laughs> right? If there's one that. person on the other side, you are public speaking because that is that is public. That is someone who's there. So every opportunity you get to speak with someone, whether it be virtual, whether it be through email, you're, you have a chance to improve your public speaking. Now, this is the, the, the part that really is alarming because when they did this study, it was, I think, over 5,000 leaders that they interviewed. They found that 80 to 90% of what they do in their day-to-day is communication. But out of all these leaders that they were interviewing, less than 10% of them were real effective communicators. Oh, wow. And they evaluated effective communication with just three characteristics. Simplicity, okay, if you can communicate and you're simple in your communication, clarity, which means that your communication has an objective, right? When when you communicate, people aren't, well, wh- what is he saying? Where what am I supposed to do with this? And third, which is actually where people or these leaders scored the lowest, was relevancy. Ah. And relevancy is understood as how do you get people to feel emotions towards what you're saying. Yeah. Because how do you make something relevant to others is by how they feel right. about what you're saying. Right. So in the simplicity and in the in the clarity part, uh, some scored a little bit higher, which is, which is makes sense because a lot of times even at, at universities or when you're, you know, in, in your job, they're always telling you, you got to be simple, you got to be clear. And, and then they tell you you got to, you got to inspire, you got to motivate people when you communicate. How do you do that? And the secret to doing that is knowing how to tell stories. Storytelling is, (laughs) in essence, the best way that we as human beings can communicate with emotion so that way people can feel and be relevant, right? Make our communication much more relevant. Just, uh, by the way,
0: caught this right before we came on the air, and I'll put a link in the show notes, folks. Uh, On LinkedIn, there was an article saying, communication is the most in-demand skill on LinkedIn for the second year in a row. Yeah. Boom. Boom. Proof positive yeah. there with that. Well, let's get into the storytelling. Now you've emphasized uh, the power of storytelling and effective communication. And that's that's really, I mean, what's the, what, tell me again the name of your podcast.
1: The the English version is called the Strategic Storytelling Podcast. Okay. That's the English one. The Spanish one is Storytelling Estrategico, which is the same thing, but translated into <laughs> into Spanish.
0: I mean, it's in the name, right? This is yeah. where, you know, this is where your focus is. So, sorry. so can, can you share though a, Maybe you could tell a story to help emphasize what you're trying to tell us here. Can you share like a, a transformative moment or success story where storytelling
1: significantly influ- influences a, a business outcome? Can you do that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Now I because a lot of times when I'm when I'm teaching storytelling, one of the main questions I get from my clients initially when they're when they're trying to learn this is like, how did you learn this, right? How did you learn storytelling? Did you yeah. read a book? Did you watch a movie? I, I always tell them, that I've been preparing my whole life for this. (laughs) And they're they're like, well, yeah, you're exaggerating. I'm like, oh, literally. When I was seven years old, my my family moved from Chile. I'm originally from Chile, from South America. They moved from Chile to the United States. And when I got to the United States, since I didn't speak the language at all, I, I got really... I became really scared to speak and communicate because oh. when you can't speak the language, when you don't understand anything, plus you don't want to say something and maybe people will get offended because you're not being able to speak well. I I, I really became introverted and I didn't want to speak. Ooh. And I was like in second grade, just so you kind of get a a, a gist of, of, you know, this little kid who just very shy. I would go into class every day and literally just sit next to the teacher. She had a special little little chair for me so she could help me out. And I would not speak with anyone. I, I would just look at the floor and think the whole time, please don't call on me. Please don't ask me anything. And I I did that for about three or four months. My first three or four months that I was in the United States. I You know, when you're a kid, you start picking up the language quick. So after three or four months, I could understand. And one Monday morning, I still remember this as if it happened yesterday. One Monday morning, I get to class really early. The teacher's there waiting for me. And when I walk into class, she she says to me, she she had learned a few Spanish words to try to connect, right? So she's like, uh, "Cesar, uh, ¿cómo estás?" I'm good. And she's like, "Cesar, today hoy uh, to um, storytell to contar una historia." And I acted like I didn't understand. I said, "Uh, qué? <laughs> no entiendo." That's like, you know, that's the best <laughs> way to defend yourself, right? No entiendo. But I did understand because. Every Monday, she would randomly pick three or four kids from the class and invite them to come up in front of the class and tell a story, right? And now this was her way of helping kids get used to public speaking, get used to storytelling. And I always thought she was not going to call on me because I don't, I don't even speak the language. Plus, right. you know, I don't even speak with anyone. And that day she said, I want you to do it. And I said, no entiendo. And she just walked off. And I thought in my head, Okay, I I dodged the bullet and she starts calling kids randomly. And she had already called about three. So I thought, you know, I'm I'm safe. When all of a sudden I hear Cesar, it's your turn. And, you know, Alex, I, I was seven or eight. So I, I couldn't be very rebellious at that time. You know, my 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 hands were shaking, my knees were shaking, my heart was beating, and I just had to get up and walk to the front of the class. And I remember when I get to the front of the class and I and I look back at my About 30 classmates, they were all staring at me like, what is he going to say? First time we're going to hear his voice. And at that moment, I remembered a little story. And it was just a story of something that had happened with my family a few weeks before. We had gone camping. And I just tried to tell that story with my Tarzan English that I had at that moment. And I felt like I was up there for 10 minutes, probably up there for 30 seconds. I told the story and then I went back and sat down. And when I sat down, the only thing I could do was just look at the floor and think, oh, you did such a horrible job. Oh. No one liked your story. They one understood what you said. And after a few seconds, I finally you know, got the, the courage to look up, look at my classmates. And something happened at that moment. When I looked at my classmates, they were all looking back at me and they were all going like this. The, the thumbs, thumbs up, up, right? They were all giving me a thumbs up, which is universal. That doesn't matter where you're from. The thumbs up means good job, bien hecho. Wow. And that to me, and this is why I share this experience. And I, I've shared this story with corporate you know, CEOs, whatever. They ask me like, hey, you know, why is storytelling? I always tell them, look, that moment was a before and after for me. That moment changed everything for me. Just because I had the willpower and a little bit of courage to get up and tell a story, even though it wasn't even a good story. Just get up and tell a story changed everything for me. And I think that was the first time that I can remember that I felt the power of telling a story, that connecting power, that engaging power when you tell a story. Now, imagine if a six-year-old, seven-year-old kid had that transformation, and, 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 and it really did change everything, even my relationships with my classmates. Imagine what a leader can do. Oh yeah! Imagine what, what you can do when you communicate your story out to your market. Imagine what, what you as a professional can do when you're in a business meeting and you can tell a story that, that captivates that connect. The power of stories is to change whatever you're communicating into something just very, very powerful. And that is why I do what I do because that, that experience changed me and I've seen how it's changed my clients over and over again when they're willing to just get up and tell a story.
0: That is a very moving story. I could just see little Cesar and, and how nervous you must have been. I mean, I was nervous second grade just to get up because because kids kids can be rotten, you know. Yeah.
1: I mean, let's just be honest. And I yeah. had a lisp.
0: I had a lisp a little bit, and uh, yeah. But I did things as I got older, like got into drama, things like that, debate, and got mostly got rid of the lisp. But but the point being, it's a very brave thing you did there, and with your your recently adopted language. So, but let me ask you something so and, and so i think we can all appreciate and thank you again for that story the the value of storytelling and how to work and engage are there certain techniques though for storytelling that are universal
1: yes yes so there is a four step process that i teach okay it's obviously if you look into storytelling you type you know how to tell a story probably you'll, you'll get thousands of pages and they'll have different stuff they all kind of they all try to go back to the original you know the the, the hero's journey from Joseph Campbell in God, 1920 bro. and 21 those were 21 steps to tell a story by the way uh, I always tell my clients like I'm not going to teach you 21 steps to tell a story cuz I, I work in the corporate world so imagine if I go up to a director and like look I'm here 20 steps they're they're going to be like no no I don't have time for that so <laughs> I've actually had to simplify the process to four steps four steps and it's actually, I want you to remember a word that will help you to remember these four steps. And, and when I teach you these four steps really quickly, you'll, you'll, you'll remember the story I told you because I used these four steps with the story that I just shared, okay? All right. So, so I'm going to teach your audience also a Spanish word because this is not just, not just about learning storytelling. It's also about even learning a little bit of Spanish, right? Mm-hmm. So I want you to remember the word cosa, cosa, C-O-S-A, okay. cosa. Cosa in, in Spanish means thing, a thing. And I always, when I'm, when I'm teaching this methodology, I tell my clients, I'm about to teach you the most important cosa or thing. So you can craft a strategic story. Okay. Okay. So, so after, when you're, when you're trying to remember this, you're gonna be like, what's that thing he taught me to craft my story. And when you remember "cosa," cosa, you'll remember the word and the acronym for the four steps. Okay. sweet. So the first, the first step to craft a great story is every story starts with a context, context, the C. And context, in very simple terms, just means where the story begins. Every story has a beginning. And you only have to answer three questions to create a really good context. When did it happen, where did it happen, and who did it happen to? Those are the three questions. So in the story I just told you, when did it happen? Oh, when when Cesar was a little kid, I could have given you the exact date, you know, in 1990, but it's not relevant for the story. Just when I was a kid, right, I was in second grade, I was at school and it's a it's a personal story. So I'm I'm the character in the story, right? So right. just by saying, you know, when I was in second grade, I, I, I got to school and the teacher came up to me and said this, but right away I've created the context so you can start imagining the the scene, right? Right. Now the objective here in the in the context, because every stage has an objective. The objective in the context is just to create connection. What you want is for the audience to connect. To connect with the main character, or, or in your case, while you were listening to my story, you were saying, "When I was in second grade, right? I, that I had a, a, that was also hard for me because I had a lisp or I had this." So what happened is we connected. I was telling a story, very universal, by the way, like being scared of public speaking when you're a kid. That's something that most people.
0: <laughs> if, if I could just interject, yeah, and I liked you already, but I liked you more because we connected, and I was like. Oh, he, he and I would have been friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's exactly where I went. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's actually the the objective. That's the goal in the context is to create that connection. Because once people connect with you, right? now they'll want to listen to the rest of the story. Yeah, 100%. Now you want to know what happened, right? Because we're friends. So I want to know what happened to my friend. And you know, if I'm telling you a story, something has to happen. And he's not just telling me a story about when he first got here to United States, just because he's something must have happened. And that's where we go to the second step, the O, which is the obstacle. There always has to be an obstacle. And when I'm talking about obstacle, there's, there's gotta be a conflict or some kind of challenge, failure, difficulty, and it doesn't have to be Hollywood. OK, I always I always tell my clients because when I when I teach them about obstacle, they're like, Cesar, you know, I don't have like, you know, like, like I didn't get lost in the mountains for a week or I haven't had to fight a, a wild bear. And I always tell them I don't I don't have one of those either. <laughs> OK, now, if you do have one of those stories, sensational stories, craft a great you know, speech and you could travel the world and make money giving a speech about something sensational. But most people just have very simple, very sincere experiences that actually connect more with the audience because you've gone through them as well or something similar. So the key, the secret ingredient here in the obstacle is just to show vulnerability, just to show vulnerability. If you show vulnerability, you actually have more credibility and you get people emotionally invested in the story that you're telling. Did I hear you correctly,
0: Cesar, that if you you do have something really dramatic that not a lot of people have gone through that can be powerful but is it a little self defeating is what you're telling
1: me if you're trying to just use the story to get through i mean could you just elaborate please yeah so uh, first obviously you have if you have these sensational stories i mean just a few people probably have those sensational stories right yeah right that's that's the first thing it's just that not a lot of us have those sensational moments we have everyday challenges everyday obstacles so that's the first thing is that it's it's hard sometimes to find those sensational things like you survive you know a plane crash or something like that but second when it is very sensational it actually disconnects us a little bit from the audience because the audience feels like okay I mean it's a great story but I've never I've, I've never had something like that happen to me
0: right yeah yeah okay uh, just I I do a talk or I used to do it a lot more I'm a crisis communication specialist too and, uh-huh. uh, my very first uh, job within a few weeks my first job in 1995 the terrorists blew up the federal building in Oklahoma City and I was at the hospitals where they brought all the people who were, yeah. were wounded the, the, I, I do a story where I tell that morning how it goes, I build the tension, the phone rings and all the, you hear the explosion. That captivates when we're talking specifically about crisis come. But if I let off every talk I did on that, it, yeah. it really would disconnect them, wouldn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah, probably. Because again, remember, and, and, and this is one of the things that I always, I always teach from the very beginning. Obviously, we, we started right away with storytelling, but I always tell my my clients, my students, the most important element thing when it comes to public speaking is the audience. Without an audience, you won't be public speaking. Right. So when you are communicating an idea, when you are communicating a message, you, you always have to remember that you're doing this for the audience. You're trying to add value to the audience. So when you're also crafting a story, you have to pick stories that you know will resonate with the audience. Right. If right. I'm telling you a story about... Something that you know, I'll, I'll I'll tell you a story about my private island, you know, and my private jet. Right, and you're like, oh yeah, he's cool, but you know what? It doesn't resonate with me. I'm not, I'm not him. So right away, it creates a disconnection. And if you disconnect, now people don't really want to listen to the story.
0: So that gets into know your audience. So, and I'm sorry exactly. I took you off track, but you were also- no, no, it's all right, I-
1: it's Because right. these are these are very important principles when you're communicating, right? So we're kind of connecting a a few branches, but they're all important principles when you're communicating. So vulnerability. It breeds credibility and it helps people get emotionally invested in your story. So here's an important principle, because when you tell a story, especially in the obstacle in the conflict, where it's the perfect moment to show vulnerability, you have to show vulnerability, understanding vulnerability as the ability to express and show emotions, right? So the story I told you when I was a kid, if if I would have been like, and the teacher asked me to get up and well, I just got up and I told a great story. And then I went and sat down and, and, you know, I felt really good. (laughs) it loses a lot Uh, of its flavor, doesn't it?
0: Well, but I'd still cheer for you. It would have been been great.
1: But it's not the same, right? When I tell you the teacher, you know, she said, Cesar, come up and my legs start shaking, my arms, my, 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 my heart starts beating and I'm walking slowly to the front of the class. And when I get up there, I look at my 30 classmates and all their eyes are on me. You see, I'm creating that tension and I'm showing vulnerability. Yeah. And now you're much more emotionally invested and my story is more credible. Because if you put yourself in those shoes, you'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that that would happen. Definitely would happen. Okay? Yes. Now, the objective here in the obstacle, the the goal here is just to, to generate emotion. You want people to feel strong emotions in the obstacle of your story because the more they feel, the more they'll remember, and the more they'll invest even themselves in the story that you're telling. Fantastic. Okay. The third step, once you, je- once you are able to create that emotion, now the third step is the solution. The solution. And the solution is, you know, the, the happy ending of the story. We all know that stories need to have a happy ending or Hollywood has made us think happy ending means always, you know, that everything has to be great. But really happy ending, you got to answer one of two questions to create a happy ending in a story. One is literally explain how did how did the main character solve the problem? Right. How did he solve it? Sometimes he solves it because of others. Sometimes he solves it because he has a dream. Sometimes, you know, a guru comes in and helps out. How did he solve it? Or what did he or she learn from the experience? Right. So, a lot of times we have stories that don't have the typical happy ending. You might have a story of that time where you left the gate open and your dog went out and got hit by a car. And that's the story you're telling. And if we think about it, it doesn't have a happy ending. The, car, the dog didn't come back to life. You didn't save the dog. It died because you left the gate open. Right. So you'd be thinking, well, then, then, then how did we solve that? You didn't, but did you learn something from it? And when you look at any experience, any story in retrospective, you're always able to, to gather something that you learned from it. Yeah. You can always rescue something that you learned because the objective here in the solution is just to show the change or transformation that the main character had. So, every story we've ever heard, right we've ever read, we've ever watched what they're what they're really just trying to show you is just the transformation or change of a character. Hmm. That is the essence of every story, and I'm sorry, I'm bursting your bubble because now whenever you listen to a story, whenever you watch a movie, you're gonna know that at the end doesn't matter what happens, yeah, the main character is gonna finish better than how he or she started right, right that's it so. Yeah. These are three steps so far. There's one more that transforms this whole process into the strategic storytelling, but just want you to know that with these three steps, you have a good story, right? You have a context to create connection. Right. You have an obstacle to generate emotion and you have a solution what? to show the change of the main character. What makes this whole process strategic is the last letter, A, because in the A is the application. Aha. And the application is all about the audience. The application is... How does this story apply to them? So here's where you connect your big idea or the message that you're trying to get across to the audience, right? Because the audience, they'll be asking themselves when they're listening to your story, even if it's a great story, they'll they'll be asking themselves like, well, what does it have to do with me? (laughs) You know, or or why why should I care? Okay, so Cesar's telling me a story about his childhood. It's great, you know, he's got me engaged. But at the end, you're gonna be asking yourself, okay, so, but what does it have to do with me? Or did you just tell me the story just because it's a great story? You want at the end, the audience to be able to connect a message or an idea to your story. So that way, every time they remember your story, they'll remember the message or the idea that you were trying to communicate to them. So in, 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 you, when you look at it in that way, the story is just the vehicle. Right. The destination is the idea or the message that you want to communicate to the audience. Because the objective here in the application is to inspire or motivate the audience to take action change for the audience. Right, That is the final objective of this whole process. And that is la cosa mas importante or the most important, important thing so you can craft a strategic story. And when you remember the word cosa, yeah, you remember that all stories need to have a context so you can connect, an obstacle, so you can generate emotion, an ap- uh, a solution, so that way you can show the change of the character in an application so you can now motivate the audience to take action and change.
0: When you present this to your students uh is their reaction to it different than if you did this on a corporate level if you're training in corporate level
1: no (laughs) everybody reacts the same the truth is all of us i think i think we as human beings we're hardwired to tell stories and and understand our world and stories so whenever people hear about storytelling they all want to learn how to tell better stories. Like no one will say, Hey, you know what? I don't need to learn how to tell better stories. I've never had someone that's told me that stories are not necessary.
0: Right. Cause right.
1: we all know that stories are engaging and they connect. So when I teach this to students or when I teach this to the corporate leaders, I, I always get the same reaction because at the end, what I'm doing with this method is I'm just simplifying the process. Right. And, and their understanding is so intuitive that right. at the end, they're like, Oh, that is how you tell a good story. And now you can grab a story that you already have, and you can make it go through the cosa method, and you'll see how it just makes the story much more fluid and just much more impactful.
0: But do you ever have in a corporate setting, in particular, do you ever have um, CEOs or C-suite people who are concerned with showing vulnerability, even in a storytelling context?
1: Yes, that that is that is one of the biggest that is one of the biggest ones right there, because because they think, and I think it has a lot to do with how we interpret or our Perception of vulnerability, right? Because mass media has made us think that vulnerability is weakness. Yeah. In in Latin America, just so you know, la palabra, the word vulnerabilidad, which is vulnerability, is used for poverty. Oh my. So so they'll they'll be talking in the news and they'll say like, oh, this school is is a uh, una escuela school vulnerable, and what they're saying is this is a poor school. Hmm. So we associate vulnerability with weakness with poverty but the word vulnerability it actually comes from psychology and it just means the ability to express emotions Uh, if you have the ability to express your emotions you're being vulnerable and in psychology vulnerability is actually a trait of emotional intelligence right right people who are emotionally intelligent are able to express their emotions in an honest and healthy way and that is being vulnerable is that right up there with
0: empathy Yeah. yeah yeah um Oh, my goodness. That is so interesting that you say that is, uh, oh, shoot, I had another thing coming. but I
1: share this with you because when you tell me, like, do leaders, you know, they push back? Mm-hmm. Yes. But what leaders also want to be always is emotionally intelligent, right? No leader will say, I don't want to be emotionally intelligent. Right. They want to develop the skill. They just don't know what, it, what are the characteristics of that skill.
0: Isn't it funny, though? This is what I was going to say, too, that exactly the, that skill. But don't you if you, you notice though the buzzword is always authenticity. Yeah. Well, yeah. if you're authentically human, then you have emotions. You're not a Vulcan from Star Trek. You're not Mister Spock. You have emotions. Well, I actually yeah. Spock had emotions too. But anyway, yes. so so is, is that a connection you have to make with people? Is is about okay? You know, they, they I could just see him saying, Professor, uh, I I I want to be uh, authentic, but they still got all these shields up. Yeah. To, because like yeah. you're talking
1: about vulnerability. Could you just elaborate a little on that? Yeah. So I mean, when, when I start these processes, obviously when we get to this vulnerability part, we've, we've had a few sessions. We've, 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 we've built a right. relationship of trust, right? So right. it's important when you're an educator, when you're a consultant, a coach to build the relationship of trust, because when people connect and trust the messenger, they'll be much more willing to connect and trust the message. Yeah. So okay. once they connect with you and they believe what you're doing, and they believe that you're an expert at what you're doing. Now they'll kind of let themselves be guided by the process. And the other thing is when we're creating these stories, and obviously all stories have this obstacle where it's a moment to show vulnerability. I also, I don't, I push them, I push them a little, but I don't push them to the point where they get really, really uncomfortable. Sure. Because once they have the experience, once they get up and tell a story to their team, to their organization, and they see the impact, Now, the next time they're much more willing to do it. And it just becomes a a positive cycle. I always say that confidence is not just about telling yourself, you know, I'm great, I'm great. Confidence is about doing little things, having little victories yeah, and being able to celebrate those little victories because that will give you momentum to do it more and more and more.
0: Cesar, I could go on and on and I'd love to. And I know you're a busy guy, but we've already... Blown through this story we're telling today, but I want to ask you really quickly to so the listeners out there. So you're a consultant, um, are, is that is that primarily where you are right now? Is is that your primary me- mode of work? I mean, adjunct uh, adjunct instructor is one thing, but what yeah. what all are you doing?
1: Yeah, the the, the academic part is just because I'm I love right. education and it's a way to keep me connected with the youth and helping them to to develop. You know, I want to help develop the future leaders, and I believe communication, like you said at the beginning, is the most important skill set. So in terms of me professionally, yes, I work today as a consultant and as a trainer and coach to a lot of directors and CEOs for big companies and speakers. So it just depends kind of what they're needing. Sometimes they'll ask me, "Hey, we need help to create our brand story. Can you help us do that?" Yeah, that's more of a consulting job. Sometimes, and this is the part that I love the most. Hey, I, we need to develop our leaders. They want; to, they need to develop the skill set. So that way, I put on more of my trainer and coach hat to help develop the skill set.
0: Yeah. It, it, well. I'm gonna ask you one leadership question then I got I know we got to let you go, but I want to ask it's one thing that if we're talking about uh, is there is there one though is would you say that what we've covered today are those the skill set of communicators that aspiring leaders uh, need they, it's what they need to know most right um, but generally do they think that there's a different skill set that they come to you and say, well that's important but the most important skill set is, uh, establishing authority or credibility or yeah. you, you see what I'm saying, what do you have to overcome a little bit when you start talking to somebody about how to integrate communication into their leadership style?
1: All these things that they want to accomplish, which in a way is is influence, right. right? All that we accomplish it through communication. Yeah, We don't accomplish authority, credibility without communicating. Right. And that is why... Whenever they study you know number one traits of of leaders and what are the things that employers are looking for the most, and it's always it always comes down to communication because at the end, we create reality, we create future through the way we communicate. I love a, a quote by John Maxwell. He says, "Great leaders, right? Great leaders, they inspire in us today the vision of tomorrow. And that is that is what leadership is all about is being able to inspire us today. that vision that we have of tomorrow. And Uh, if we get people inspired today, now they'll be willing to move to that better and and much more powerful tomorrow.
0: Well, Cesar, you've inspired me to do a few things, one of which is to uh, subscribe to your podcast, of course. The the, the next thing is to put um, your uh, your website and all those links in the show notes, Uh, cesarcastro.com, C-E-S-A-R. C A S T R O.com. Uh, but it'll all be in the show notes or at PR after hours.com. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to throw it back to you. Just, I'm going to tell you one thing I really, really mean, which is I've thoroughly enjoyed this. And I really, really am reminded of of how much fun it is to tell a good story and connect with an audience. And I'm going to be using that moving forward. You've, you've reinvigorated that in me and I appreciate it. Uh, I'll throw it back to you though. One final word. Just,
1: when it comes to all these communication skills, which some people think they're so complex, just, just get up and do it. Kind of relive that experience that I lived when I was a kid. The more you do it, the more comfortable you'll get with the uncomfortable, the better you'll get. And trust me, you'll look back a few months after, and you'll be like, oh, I'm a much better communicator and speaker than I was before. And if you're a much better communicator and speaker, then you, you become a person of much more influence.
0: Cesar Castro, thank you so much for joining us in the virtual lounge. Really enjoyed it. Thank you. You know what that means? It's last call here at the Virtual Lounge. Be sure to visit prafterhours.com for links to what we discussed in this episode and more. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And join us next time for another round at PR After Hours with Alex Greenwood.